like like repressed memories, mm-hmm. right? So, which is weird. I mean, all the way up till that point. And then, then, then the thing is, Sigmund Freud is like, oh, that's the the repressed memory. Coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, 1896. The etiology of hysteria comes out. This is uh, based on um, the studies that he does, um, and the theory here is that there's like a chain of unconscious memories, right? So you have like a core, like an unconscious memory at its core and that shapes your behavior and then then you have like another unconscious memory and that shapes more behaviors and so on and so forth mm-hmm. all the way and then the only way you can fix your horrible life is to go back through all of these horrible uncon you know recall all of these horrible unconscious memories which at the time they also used mesmerists. Yeah. <laughs> to accomplish the same effect. Yeah. And uh, that's super sketch. Uh. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Sigmund Freud was super sketch anyway, but <laughs> in like everything he did, and even in this, he even changed his opinion in this. But, um, have you heard of the Anna O thing? Did you, do you know about that? Okay, so part of the, how he came, kind of came up with this, um, you know, series of core memories was from Anna O. She was, so from 1880 to 1882, she had anxiety and, um, hallucinations and the shaking and things like that because her father fell ill, right? And she was like really close to her father. Mm-hmm. So they had um, a family friend come in and treat who was like, you know, of the 1880s, you know, therapists at the time, he was like the bomb at doing that, right? So okay. you can trust those guys. Yeah. You know, he's in the, you know, Top 20 with Sigmund Freud. Yeah. <laughs> Not besties with Sigmund Freud. So, he was treating her and was like, you know, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to help her get out of this and I'm going to do hypnosis. And, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm going to help her. Well, okay, great. But then her dad dies. In 1881, well, at the end of 1880, and she just goes completely stiff as a board. Like this is like totally 1880 stuff, isn't it? Like yeah, stiff as a you know that line, the light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that's where it came from, but that's what it reminded me of. When you try to like make yeah. people levitate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he was like, I'm a fixer for real. And he was like, apparently she was like, like this. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, hypnotizing her. And she would just like, you know, tell all of her memories and say all these things. And of course, if somebody's just like harassing you all day and you couldn't move. Yeah. You're just gonna say whatever you can to get them to leave. I feel like. Yeah, that's. But. <laughs> just like you a know. <laughs> coercion or. Yeah. Coerced, uh, what is it? Coerced confession. Yeah. Right. The power of suggestion is what that is. Well, and then so eventually, she gets better. Yes. Sure. Which is great. Which is awesome. Money fixing. Yeah. Right. Well. Eventually, she's all, like, doing cartwheels or something. I don't know. She really wasn't. But she was better. And 
according to him. You know, she ends up in a sanitarium, but <laughs> she got better. <laughs> she, she was ready to rock and yeah. roll. <laughs> and she, he just like, it's like, she's great. She's recovered. Bye. And left. And Freud was like, see, it worked. And that's how he got to this conclusion about these poor memories. Yeah. Like, it makes no so sense. So, a singular case study. And yeah. he developed an entire theory around it. Yeah. And people actually think that she had some sort of, like, um, neurological thing, like tuberculosis, meningitis. Yeah. Or something like that. I, I mean, mean, it was the 1800s. Yeah, I mean, everybody said that. <laughs> You weren't cool if you didn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> just me. <laughs> I had meningitis three times, thank you. I mean, she, seriously, she was in and out of the sanitarium like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Like, after that. And so, people, you know, were saying, like, you can't, I mean, she got worse. I mean, it wasn't even like she was maintaining that, you know. Yeah. She got worse. So, Freud actually was, like, later, like, 20 years later, was like, actually, does anyone have some whiteout? You know, <laughs> does thou have whiteout? Okay, guys. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know, he's German, isn't he? Like, I don't know how to do it. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> I can only do the, like, stereotypical. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. Okay, any hoosies. So, what is very interesting to me here is there is nothing until, like, 1970 about repressed memories. Like, nothing. And then it's, like, this big boom. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't really find, I mean, not even really, you can't find anything yeah. until, like, the 70s. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like repressed memories all over the place. And part of that, I found a really good quote to kind of like, um, to kind of, you know, sum it up, is from Harvard Magazine. From Harvard, they say, (laughs) I just want to feel fancy. So, it says, two major factors helped solidify repressed memory in the 20th century. Uh, in the 20th century imagination. Psychoanalysis with its theories of the unconscious and Hollywood. Film is a perfect medium for the idea of repressed memories. Think of the flashback. It's an ideal dramatic device. So it's like, you know, movies are coming up. You know, they're actually kind of, instead of being, you know, black and white and, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of, they're more introspective. Yes. You know, they're having, you know, they're looking at people's emotions now and, you know, with a feeling and, um, you know, that's kind of why it has, like, this huge boom Mm -hmm. is, like, why people are feeling the way they're feeling instead of just what they're feeling. You know, like, they're feeling horrible and their complex emotions are happening because but it's also they largely kids. suggestive because it's all media, like right. film and well, TV. Yeah, I mean, media <coughs> at that point, I mean, not as much as now, but at that point is really starting to take off in terms of how people can access it. Mm-hmm. You know, people can are starting to get you know, where they can get CNN, you know, they can get news networks, they can get a paper faster, because they can get to a paper faster, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, it's not, magazines. yeah, magazines are off the, off the chart, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's obviously not as quick as now, but, you know, yeah. better than it was when we lived on farm in the 1920s, right, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, so, in the 
eighty. So beginning in the nineteen in nineteen eighty, right? There's a satanic panic. Yeah. You know anything about satanic panic? Oh hell yeah. Satan. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Wait, are you supposed to? Yeah, you're supposed to like go for. This is not good for the podcast. <laughs> this is not good for the podcast. Not good. Oh, I think you have to Bad do it breath. like this, and then one hand down. Like. <laughs> I'm doing the Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the... Tell me a little bit about the Satanic Panic, if you know anything. What it is. Uh, I just know, like, my parents were alive when that happened. Oh, well, then definitely. They, <laughs> they were, like, they were probably super into some wild stuff. So, they were both, like, doing acid and shit. But, um, <laughs> a moral panic. So, and it started off with this book, really messed up book, right? It's called Michelle Remembers. And it's by this Canadian psychiatrist, and his name is Lawrence Pazder. And his wife, (coughs) who was his patient, So she comes into his office one day and she's like, I'm depressed. And he's like, I got the thing for you. She's like, what's that? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> this is vitamin <laughs> <D>. <laughs> No, actually, he was like, hypnosis. Then we'll get to the D. No. <laughs> no. All right. So hypnosis, yeah. right? So she goes like session after session after session of hypnosis. She doesn't, like, really remember anything, mm-hmm. and then one day, she start, starts talking in the voice of a five-year-old child. Oh. No. And she's like, no. He didn't kill her? No, he married her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're not a Canadian psychiatrist, so really... And she did like he, she has all these reenactments uh, or memories of her mom doing satanic rituals, mm-hmm. and like, and the end of the book culminates into some really sadistic like rituals of nasty things mm-hmm. like you know gross and abusive and. So this turned into, like, people being like, oh my god, there are Satanists out, Satanist cults out there doing this to little children, you know, without us even knowing, you know, and there were thousands of people, thousands, 12,000 cases of people saying, they started remembering this stuff, yeah. that this stuff was happening to them, or they remembered it happening to somebody else, and every single case got debunked. Mm-hmm. It was on Oprah, it was on Sally Jesse, it was on, like, TV, it was in the newspapers, everywhere. Magicians. Like, yeah. I mean, copycat shows, you know? Yeah. Like, crazy. What? Ricky Lake. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking about like old TV show hosts, and I was like, Ricky Lake, Lisa Gibbons, Sally Jesse Raphael, Geraldo, Rivera, Montel. Wait, who was that jacked up one? Mari Povich. Yep. You are not the repressed memory. 
there was a guy, his name's George Franklin, he's dead, um, his daughter, uh, Eileen Franklin, she accused, he, he was convicted in 1990, he was convicted of rape and murdering, um, Susie K. Mason in September, September 22nd, 1959. Mm -hmm. So, because she said she, through hypnosis, that she remembered this repressed memory of him killing and raping this girl. Mm -hmm. So, but in 1995, they overturned that conviction it was well it was yeah they, I mean you can't just have you know somebody hypnotize you I mean yeah. you know somebody hypnotize you and make you act like a chicken yeah right I mean mm-hmm. like well and the other thing with the hypnotism thing is that a, like one the person undergoing hypnosis has to be highly susceptible to suggestion, to right. suggestive behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, they like they have to be really open and like overly compliant right. toward right. the hypnotist. And the hypnotist actually like historically how hypnotism works is they do like the the actual hypnosis right and then they install what they call in psychological terms install a trigger oh yeah yeah so it'll be like red yeah so even when you know they bring the person back from fucking ether or whatever yeah that person will continue to be affected by that trigger going forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, uh, Baby Albert. The baby who was conditioned to be afraid of um, things that were white. Oh, okay. Because, like, every time they showed him, like, a white bunny or um, they they clap their hands mm-hmm. and scare them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they she also accused him of um, killing and raping Veronica, eighteen-year-old uh, Veronica Cassio, and seventeen-year-old Polly uh, Paula Baxter in two thousand eighteen. The DNA was linked to another man, Rodney Lynn Hallbauer, and he was sentenced to life in prison. So it was proven that George Franklin did not do these things. Yeah. And, you know, Eileen Franklin, she did believe that he did those things mm-hmm. through this, these repressed memories that were brought up through hypnosis. Well, okay, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but everything that I researched as far as repressed memories goes, Mm -hmm. and, like, in the 90s, there was this whole, between what you were saying about the satanic panic and um, this memory repression research that had started Mm -hmm. um, to try to, like, decide if it was legit or not, um, there was, they called it the memory wars. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, you know, whether it was like intended to be experimental right. or not, what was found was that any form of retrieval of a possible repressed memory had a strong likelihood of installing false memory. Right. 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 So, with the hypnotism, mm-hmm. it's all suggestion, right? Yeah. And that guy
could easily have suggested what the guy looked like, what his name was, what happened. Well, the thing is, is you're going, you're going to a therapist because you want help mm -hmm. for something, and you are you are going there and trusting your therapist as an authority figure, mm -hmm. and so in that moment you are susceptible to anything he says, whether that's on you know purposeful or not. That is right then and there you are more likely to have a memory implanted. You know? Like yeah. even if you know even if and then that that's how it perpetuates itself, right? You're like, well I you know, I'm seeing these behaviors in you that suggest that you might, you know, you might have been abused. So let's kind of dig a little deeper and then you're like, well maybe I should dig a little deeper. Yeah, yeah, see? See, and then, well, it worked for my last patient. Let's do it for this patient. Right. You know, and it's kind of, it perpetuates itself over and over again. You know, like, so I, I you know, I, you can see how it just, it's a snowball effect all over the world, you know, where these people are just confirmation biasing all over themselves. <laughs> Um, I do think that, I mean, there have been cases of, like, therapists, um, you know, back in the 90s and up until recently, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years ago, um, not, you know, maybe not necessarily encouraging the idea of repressed memories, but there have been several cases of psychoanalysts, Psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, whoever. Right. Um, everyone that works within the mental health field attempting some form of rep repressed memory retrieval mm -hmm. and then significantly damaging the memory of their patient by installing those false memories right. through suggestion. Well, yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's, I mean, there's the two, the two things there. Number one, does the repressed memory even exist? And is that repressed memory true? And does it matter? Yeah. If it's well, something that you're able to, like, literally put out of your mind, or situation in which the seeming forgetting and later recovery of a traumatic experience is particularly likely to occur is when the experience was not interpreted as traumatic when it first occurred, but then later in life is, uh, was reinterpreted as traumatic. So, like, if you didn't even think it was traumatic to begin with, and then somebody's like, you were traumatized, you were traumatized, remember? Remember Can that? I just tell you something? Huh. I never, like, I've been in therapy for almost three years. Mm -hmm. Different kinds of therapy. I talk about my mental health. Right. With everyone. Anyone yeah. that wants to know or yeah. will listen, you know. And I never considered myself to be traumatized. But every doctor that I've seen, every, like, a psychiatrist back where, you know, in New Mexico before I moved to Colorado, and um, two therapists now, two different therapists, I've, I have a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And I never... And 
it's not, you know, they weren't like, you're so traumatized. It was like, they took information I gave them and diagnosed me as being traumatized. And you're like, and I'm what? Like, I never, <laughs> I mean, looking back at different times of my life and different experiences that I've had through the lens of mental health and, you know, trauma and how you are affected by things, um, whether it's immediate or later in life or whatever, mm-hmm. like, that's not to say there wasn't abuse, but it was very normal to me. Yeah. So I didn't perceive any You know, that's part of, um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that people, I mean, this is getting into something different, you know, yeah. kind of going on tangents, but, you know, people forget things, you know, because if you don't think it's important, like, like at the time, I'm sure there's a lot of different things when you were a kid that happened mm-hmm. that you didn't think were important because they, to you at the time, weren't traumatic. But now, if you remembered them, you'd be like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah, well, what? it's a matter <laughs> of the initial perception that you have yeah. of the, the experience. Well, and that, I mean, that kind of goes into one of the other things I wanted to touch on later, but we'll do it now. I apologize, I jumped in. <laughs> traumatizing me or something. Um, no, is that memories in and of themselves are, you can't rely on them. No. At all. Even from this morning, because, or ten minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Because you, they're not a photograph. Even photographs aren't real, right? I mean, they're real, but they're not, you're not seeing the whole picture. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't see every angle. Right. So, a memory, they're, you know, this is, I have another quote here that I thought was good. Memories are events of, um, memories of events are a mix of facts overlaid with emotion, mingled with interpretation, and filled in with imaginings. Yeah. And so as, you know, the older you get and continually recall the same memory, your perception of that experience will change. Mm -hmm. The feelings you have surrounding that will change. Yeah. And, in fact, like, memory in and of itself, every time you remember something, you recall a memory, you don't, you're not remembering the thing that happened, you're remembering the last time you remembered it. Right, right. Well, and, yeah, and the feeling that you're getting, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean... So, you can't rely on anything, specifically these repressed memories, if they are repressed, you cannot rely on those memories being true, because not, you know, most of these, 99% of these are memories from children, you know, you as a child, Mm -hmm. you know, think about it this way, like, you don't know what's happening to you, right. number one. You're, say you're a six-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I okay, I want to preface all of this. I should have said this at the beginning, but abuse is abuse, okay? Yeah. I do not want... And it comes in different forms. Yeah, and I don't want to discount anybody, anybody who has been abused, anybody, you know, that it's a real thing. This is a separate subject that, you know, we're just discussing this, you know. However, so this is, you know, say for example, a six-year-old is 
seeing a dark figure in his room and it thinks it's a monster when in reality it's a coat rack. And but if you're recalling that it's a satanic ritual, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been, you know, that Michelle Remet, even if that was a real memory, if it was a real memory, it could have been something else because she was so young and it was such a huge gap in between those memories. Right. You know. And then any, because the satanic panic thing was so prevalent in media. Mm-hmm. And because of media, right? Like, it was, you know, not just instances of occult activity or they found somebody that claimed that they were involved in a ritual or whatever. It was like they were coming after all rock music. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything that, you know, even suggested anything sexual or drug-related, right. anything, anything that, you know, was not the Christian, Christian Republican majority right. disagreed with right. was considered satanic. Right. Well, I mean, and, you know, they were also, I mean, the people who were, your memories are definitely also influenced by the things around you. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can be like, well... Did I turn off the, you know, did I turn off the stove? And you're thinking, like, I definitely did that, but, you know, you're thinking about today when you're thinking about your mom's house or something like that. You know, I was at my mom's house yesterday. You know, I don't know. Well, another interesting phenomenon that can happen Mm -hmm. is, um, like, really lucid dreaming. Oh, yeah. So, you take, like, imagine being a a teenager, right? You're, like, 15, 16. Mm In the 70s, all these people, you know, without the acid, you're not allowed to do acid. I'm glad I don't have to. Why not? um, You tell me why. (laughs) Go ask Alex. Um... You know, you uh, say, so, like, let's compare this to the experience that I had growing up being in a very conservative, religious household, you're very sheltered, and the only things that you know about what the hell is going on outside of your home and your church, and maybe your school, is that everyone is screwing, everyone is doing drugs, and everyone is summoning the fucking devil. Right. Then you go to bed at night where your unconsciousness comes to the forefront and you have images stored there of shit that you absorbed throughout the day. Yeah. But you lucidly dream about all of these crazy things that the media or your parents or your church or your school or whoever has pressured you into believing. Yeah, definitely. And then you wake up and six months later you're like, was that real or not? Yeah. Doctor, I think I was abused by Satanic cult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you just get caught. You get caught doing something. Yeah. And you're just, well, everybody else, you know, it was, uh, that cult. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's full circle this. I don't know if this is full circle, but, okay. Can be like an amoeba shape. This is kind of, yeah. <laughs> Well, first of all, let me tell you what a false memory is, okay? 
Well, I guess you touched on that one. It's the false memory occurs when it's basically like implanted in your memory, right? Yep. So false memory occurs when a vulnerable patient with a history of overcompliance or highly suggestible behavior is unwittingly coached by a respected authority figure um, to create, as if in memory, an experience that never actually occurred. So the syndrome is caused uh, by memories of a traumatic episode, mostly um, sexual abuse, which are objectively false, but which the person strongly believes. So that's more like a set of yeah, you know, false memories. So um, there was a foundation, a false memory uh, syndrome foundation. Drama. <laughs> okay. This was like I went down the rabbit hole. So, December 1990. Okay, so there is uh, Peter and Pamela Freed. F-R-E-Y-D. Okay, they are econ uh, academics. They're smart people. Peter's kind of an alcoholic, but you know, we're academics. Yeah, academics are always alcoholics. Anyway, can't trust them. They have two daughters, Gwen, okay. Jennifer. Mm. All right. So, so Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Christmas, and Jennifer's like, "Yo, Gwen, you coming to Christmas?" And she's like, "Nah, fam, I ain't coming." She's like. Why not? And she's like, uh, dad makes me a little uncomfortable. And she's like, WTF? Why? And she's like, um, you didn't know that dad was abused when he was a kid, like sexually. And she's like, what? And that, like, set off all these, like, Oh my god, it was weird that he had all these weird things, or he did all these weird things and acted weirdly when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go to therapy, right? So, she goes to therapy, and the therapist is like, asks her a whole bunch of questions, and he's like, did he ever molest you? And she's like, no. And she goes home. <laughs> I forgot a part, though. She is a professor of psychology at the University of Oregon. What? Currently? And currently and then. At the time, all this happened. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> they go, she eventually, like, tells her husband, um, I was molested. I don't really want to do anything about it because I don't, re you know, because she's a psychologist, right? She's like, I don't really know. I just don't want to make a big deal out of it. You know, we're still going to Christmas. Right? Her husband was like, okay, but I really don't feel comfortable having our kids in their house. Fair. Fair. Right? So, they were like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why? They're like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And they're like, what's going on? And they're like, you molested me. And they're like, and Peter's like, no I didn't. Bye. Just like kicked him out of the house, right? For mm -hmm. Christmas. Okay, so everything was 
differently. But Jennifer still wanted to have a relationship with Pam, her mom. Okay. She didn't want, I mean, it was kind of like, she's, they're all academics. Mm-hmm. Jennifer was like, I know this may be, I mean, she was still on the fence about this stuff. You know, it might not be real. It was a long time ago. She wanted. She just wanted emotional support from her mom. Mm-hmm. She's on the phone with her. Mom just starts giving her the cold shoulder one day. Well, it turns out that Pam thought that she was gonna, you know, try and, you know, either put her, put Peter in jail, or sue her, sue him mm-hmm. for this. And which. Jennifer says, not the case. Okay? So, being the academic that she is, Pam anonymously writes an article, scientific article, entitled Issues in Child Abuse Accusations. And she published it accusing her daughter of drug use, marital problems, being new to motherhood, career stress, nursing, professional jealousy, anorexia, being a feminist, and there was a book at the time called Courage of Hope, it was like a feminist book that um, kind of uh, encouraged people to come out of that abuse, mm-hmm. um, and she took her article and dropped it off at her work, and said, multiple articles, eventually, by the last one, published it with both her name and Jennifer's name on it, outing both of them and her husband. So, but this is like after the satanic panic, right? Mm -hmm. So, things had like, you know, it had gone where everyone believes in the repressed memories to now people are not believing in repressed memories. And it kind of swooped the other way. And this really, like, pushed that along, that shift along. So they, her and Peter, created the um, False Memory Syndrome Foundation. And, um, her and her husband were in textbooks and talk shows and um, have been cited in rulings in the Supreme Court and like all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this weird thing with repressed memories where it's like, well, you can't really believe them, but they're biased too. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, who do you believe? Yeah. Like, Oh, and the step-siblings. Peter and Pamela are step-siblings. So. huge advocate of false, or not advocate, just as someone who is a really big part of, who you cannot discount is Elizabeth Loftus. You know about her? So, she is huge. She actually is the, one of the biggest, like, um, like, false memory memories you hear about Elizabeth, Elizabeth Loftus, okay? So, in 1993, or number one, you know, remember that George Franklin case? Mm-hmm. She actually testified in that. Oh. Case. But, she was 
she has testified in over 300 cases for the defense, including, but not limited to, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Jocelyn Maxwell, the one who was connected to COVID-19, that girl. Oh. Yes. And Ted Bundy, and O.J. Simpson, Rodney King, Martha Stewart, Michael Jackson, the Menendez brothers, and the Oklahoma City bombers.
sitting with it. Dad's sitting there. You know, and you want to make him happy, <laughs> just say what you know he wants to hear. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, and she ended up not believing Elizabeth Loftus, believing her interviews, and never speaking to her mother again. And suing Elizabeth Loftus in 2007 to settle that in court. Um, that is my, mostly what I have for today. I think, um, I think we've covered mostly, oh, other than right now at the very end, like today, Mm -hmm. um, repressed memories are not, um, not recognized, um, however dissociative, um, amnesia is, mm-hmm. which you mentioned, um, which is essentially the same thing. Yeah, it's, um, um pretty much the same description. Yeah. I mean, the symptoms are the same. Yeah, um, Nothing in there really that I could see that was much different. Um, oh, and that Jennifer Freight, she she went on to become like an expert in repressed memory type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah, right now it's kind of like yeah, it doesn't exist, but it kind of does exist. You know, kind of believe what you want to believe. <laughs> you know, it depends on who you're following. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys. I mean, all of this is really. At the end of the day, you're just get the therapy you think you need. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, don't believe your own memories. <laughs> that is yeah. my, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I did want to suggest a really interesting article about all of your stuff that I found on Psychology Today. Oh yeah. Um, by Dr. David J. I don't know if it's Lee or Lay. It's Forget Me Nots, A Persistent Myth of Repressed Memory. And it talks a lot about, um, you know, like the, the testing that's been done, the research that's been done since particularly the 90s, mm-hmm. um, and kind of like his personal conclusions about yeah. the theory and, um, know, the practices of, like, therapies surrounding the idea of memory repression being, having the potential to be much more harmful than beneficial. And the thing, I think, for me, again, looking at things through a mental health lens, I think that if your brain were capable of sticking things away in different little dark corners to be forgotten about. Those things are not necessary for you to survive. Right. And also, as far as trauma goes, trauma instills naturally instinctive, biological, physiological responses that your body will have even if you don't recall right. the thing, the trigger, the right. instance, the origin, so Why would you want to remember? So, <laughs> does it matter right. whether it's real <coughs> or not, should you go looking for right. things you've forgotten 
think um, some of the stuff is just so. It was really what was really interesting to me is looking through like how much it changed just over like three decades, mm-hmm. like the eighties. Well, I mean, the fucking guy that came up with it changed it. Yeah, I mean, it was like <laughs> the eighties. Like it was like almost every single decade. It was like the eighties, the nineties. You know, mm-hmm. nothing really happened in the two thousands. And then, like, you know, 2010, oh, yeah, everybody calling. Y2K. I'd like to to repress the great Y2K war. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) But it was, like, it's just weird how everything was just kind of upside down every decade. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, that, like, I really liked when I first started, and I was like, this is from 1996. (laughs) I was, like, really mentioning that, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think there's also, like, um, I read a bit about the difference between repression and suppression. Mm-hmm. And also various different kinds of memories that are classified as, you know, legitimate, like, phenomenon that happens in your brain. Mm-hmm. Like, flashbulb memories or, oh, yeah. um, you know, like, state-induced memories, mm-hmm. and just like anything else, you naturally will, like, there's a trigger to all of these things. Right. And I think there's a distinction to be made between memories you have that you consciously do not recall. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just shit that you don't think about regularly. Yeah. Because, yeah. Well, like, halfway where were there. you on 9-11? Right. Well, I was in biology class. No, I wasn't. I don't know. I don't know anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anymore. I can tell you exactly where I was on 9-11. I had played sick from school. Mama had called me in. She was out with her boyfriend, and I was playing fucking... Nintendo 64, and I had stopped for a moment, and on the TV screen, every channel was the same. Yeah. Well, what's funny, I mean, you know, this is all, you know, going on a tangent too, but, uh, what is that, the Columbia, is it, what's it called, Columbia, or the, that spaceship that crashed? Yeah. The Challenger... Oh, is that what it is? The Challenger? Yeah, in the 80s. Yeah, the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they did a study on that mm-hmm. where they had people write down where they were and then 10 years later write down where they were when the Challenger exploded. And their answers All were All I can complete. tell you about that is that I didn't exist yeah. at the time. Well, but I mean, there's... <laughs> there's I did. I was in Florida. Fucking Jacksonville, Florida, watching that shit explode almost in he person. He uh, I mean, his memory. Well, the other thing. I don't get to repress anything, folks. The other thing is that. <laughs> Lock tight, motherfucker. Your, like, each person's individual perception of anything that happens, whether it directly affects you or something like. 9-11. Like, I didn't have family in New York. I wasn't worried about, like, losing somebody close to me. That didn't make it less tragic, but right. as I was able to distance myself from the tragedy, mm-hmm. I don't remember. Like, I remember yeah. seeing it on the news and my mom crying. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't really like, grasp the magnitude well, of what was happening. Yeah, I mean, you were fairly young, too. I mean... I was in, like, seventh grade yeah. when that happened. I mean, so... Well, and for him, you know, he talks about how you know, he has a, you know, a really, you know, good memory. He does... Part of that, though, what I've noticed, because his mom does, too, is that they repeat stories. 
you know, repeat them over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that, like, I couldn't remember a story that he said, mm-hmm. but it's because it's the retelling of those stories. Yeah. You know, that make you recall, but also, like, it's almost like rote memorization. I don't know if that's necessarily the same thing as remembering, mm-hmm. or if it's just you're just telling yourself. Well, I think, like, memorizing a story is yeah. different than actually recalling an instance. Right. Or the origin of the story you're telling. Right. I mean, like, it's almost, because they tell the story so, and it's almost word for word every time they say it. Or just like how, um, there's shit that happens that when you're like a baby, right? Right. And you don't remember. Because being a baby is traumatic as fuck. <laughs> 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 Having raised two babies, I can tell yeah. you it's good they don't remember things. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> to recall the tale of being, you know, the tale being told to me by somebody else that was there when it happened. I have no recollection of that happening, obviously. Right. But I have memorized someone else's memory right. of that instance. Right. It's not my memory. Right. It's a story. Thanks for watching. Have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Don't forget us.